As people of God, we gather across the world today, across different time zones, under varied circumstances and context, to celebrate Palm Sunday. I invite us to take a deep breath and to prepare our minds and hearts for the Lord's passion and consider what the call and cost of discipleship means to each one of us. In today's readings, Jesus makes his way to Jerusalem after a very public life of teaching, healing, and ministering to people on the margins. Entering into the city, the crowd laid palms along the way and praised him, crying out, Hosanna in the highest. Praise be to you, Lord, son of David. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We read that all of a sudden the city was shaken and people asked, who is this? The crowd replied, this is Jesus, the prophet from, from Nazareth, the Galilean. As members of the crowd, ourselves, disciples on the journey, called by our baptism to be followers of Christ, to be a priestly, prophetic, and royal people. How have we responded to the call to be a follower of Christ? What does the call of discipleship ask of us as individuals and as a community? What role do we play in this cast of characters that we know to be the passion? These are important questions for us to ponder as we reflect on the passion in Matthew's gospel. We read that after Jesus' triumphant entrance into Jerusalem, the disciples gathered to celebrate the Passover meal just as Jesus had instructed them. This would be their final exam. Oddly, he began by predicting that one of them would betray him. Then, as a sign of the covenant, he offered his body and blood as bread and wine, broke it, shared it, and said to them, eat and drink. And when you do this, remember me. Then he makes a second prediction. This night, your faith in me will be shaken. And Peter replies, though all may have their faith in you shaken, Mine will never be. And we all know how that story ends, right? But before the denials, Jesus takes Peter and the two sons of Zebedee to the Garden of Gethsemane and asks them to stay awake, to keep watch with him as he goes off to pray. At the crossroads of Jesus's humanity and divinity, he weeps in his prayer, and, he, we, and we read that his soul is sorrowful, even unto death. When he goes to check on his disciples, he finds them fast asleep. Three times he goes to pray, and three times he comes back to find them sleeping. In our own lives, I think we can identify with the need to take slumber in the midst of such agony. I myself 
find it necessary to turn off the TV, to turn off the computer, the announcements, the news, because there's too much sorrow and suffering in the world, too much senseless violence, too much death that is impossible to comprehend. The little eight-year-old girl that died of fear in Ukraine because she couldn't feel safe enough to keep one more breath going. And like that, we find ourselves with Peter and the sons of Zebedee in the garden, being admonished by Christ three times with a question, you couldn't stay awake not one hour? You had, you, you fell asleep? You took your rest? Why couldn't you stay awake with me? After that, Jesus says to them, get up, let's go. At which point, Jesus is betrayed with a kiss by Judas. The guards arrest him and he's led away amid other sordid events. And three times throughout the telling of Christ's passion, we read that all of this would happen so that the writings of the prophets and the scriptures would be fulfilled. In other words, God doesn't magically intervene to save him from the cross. This paschal journey includes the dark night of suffering, grief, injustice, persecution, and death. This dark night, when it feels that God has abandoned Jesus or that God has abandoned us, we're reminded that this is part of our journey. Then in Matthew 25, 56, it is written, then all the disciples left him and fled. But two verses later, we read, but Peter was following at a distance as far as the high priest's courtyard and going inside, he sat down with the servants, servants to see the outcome. All the disciples left him and fled, but Peter followed at a distance. Peter finally woke up to stay watch. Peter showed up. He showed his commitment to his call as a disciple of Jesus by his presence. We often make much of Peter's denial and seldom consider the courage that it took for him to go to the high priest's courtyard, to sit with the servants, to see the outcome. It was Peter who stayed watch to see, to be able to testify to what he saw to give an account of the outrageousness of the charge of blasphemy and to the insidiousness of the mockery, torture, and crucifixion that would follow. Risking his own life for his friend, Peter stayed. I'd like to think that when he was asked, weren't you with the Galilean? That he denied knowing Jesus because covering for the sake of a deeper truth was more important than admitting a reality that was inconsequential to the outcome of that moment. An affirmative response to the question, weren't you with the Galilean, would have served only to make Peter a martyr. When his accent gave him away, his denial and cursing were a foil to buy him time 
because he needed to get back to tell the story, to tell the story of how the scriptures would be fulfilled. Peter's awakening led him to deny Jesus as a cover that allowed him to be present to him in a whole new way, as a witness. We all know Christians who talk a good talk, who shout out from every platform known to humanity, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and then turn a blind eye to the asylum seeker getting arrested and having their children taken from them, and then like frightened disciples justify their apathy with misinformed claims of legality. Or those whose public piety is spotless, but only have incredulous words and regret for the never-ending suffering of school children and their families shot and killed by senseless gun violence, and then, like Herod, justify blocking common-sense gun laws by saying, it's not guns that kill, it's people with mental illness, and then do nothing. Or those who march for life and offer roses to politicians to protect the life of the unborn, and then self-righteously persecute LGBTQ children and their families, because like the high priests, they judge and condemn without understanding the complexity of what it means to be an embodied human being outside the norms of male and female. In so doing, they all fail, we all fail, to recognize that the call and cost of discipleship includes staying awake being present and keeping watch to the suffering and agony of Christ in our midst. How are we able and willing to testify to God's selfless love in the world today if it doesn't include us? It is my hope that as we prepare our minds and hearts to celebrate the passion of Christ today and in the weeks to come, with palms in hands or tucked away in intricate folds, that we might find new meaning in the passion, in a passion that calls us to renew our understanding of our call to discipleship and service to Christ, and thus discover that the cost of discipleship simply requires that we remain open to encountering Jesus along the way, open to seeing, feeling, experiencing the betrayal, abandonment, and denial of Jesus in our own time, open to being present to the suffering of those in our own midst. And through that encounter, that we may commit to staying awake to the ongoing passion of Christ in the world as faithful witnesses and mediators of God's enduring and transformative love. This is my wish and my prayer. Amen. Blessings.